listening to the cannabis hangout two girls one bowl and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana my name is brandon and my name is saba we will be connecting with the community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people sharing stories from medical marijuana patients and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths so we invite you to come roll with us while we break break it all down. down Hey friends, welcome back to another episode. I'm Brandon and I'm Seba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout. Today we have the pleasure of speaking with a guest who is a traumatic brain injury survivor, an LPN and a huge advocate for cannabis being her medicine. We're excited to have her on today to share her story and inspire you listening. So please welcome Nikki Lolly to the Cannabis Hangout. Hi Nikki. Hello ladies. Thank you so much nice for taking to be here. Yes, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to call in and chat with us. Could you tell us where you're calling from? Sure, I'm in Buffalo, New York. Oh wow, we have an cool. ice storm. <laughs> we have an ice storm going on. It's a real blast. Oh wow, wow, that's crazy. I feel like New York. New York is always equipped for weather like that so it's rare that you guys are like, oh, it's bad weather. And when that happens, I feel like it's really bad weather. <laughs> Exactly. You're so right on that. I mean, I'm Buffalo is like one of the snow places in the Northeast for sure. So we uh, have had our share of winter this year already. Yeah. El Nino or climate change, whatever the hell you want to call it. It's definitely affecting. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, So Nikki, let's dive in. Can you please tell us where your cannabis journey first began? Sure. So I should really tell you a little bit before I was a nurse or before I was a patient because um, I had a really sort of not anti-cannabis stance, but definitely grew up on the war on drugs and definitely was part of the just say no, like I was a D.A.R.E. graduate. (laughs) Um, So to me, cannabis was something that was never regarded as medicine in my life. You know, it was something that um, I had been exposed to mainly in my later years um, when I worked as a casino dealer. Mm. Uh, I was introduced really to cannabis. So it's a very poly substance environment in Mm -hmm. the casino uh, employee world. And um, Mm -hmm. everyone drank a lot. But when I drank, I found I kind of became a stripper. It was not a good positive interaction with uh, a substance. So then somebody would have a joint and I would hit it every now and then. And I was like, oh, well, I'm definitely more reserved and more in my, less in my head. And it was kind of a better feeling for me. So I wasn't an anti-cannabis person as I got older, but I definitely never viewed it as medicine. My background is I'm a pediatric nurse and casino dealer, obviously. But for my patients, if you would have told me that your kid was using cannabis for seizures, I literally would have freaked out on you. I would have been like, um, I have to call Child Protective Services because I'm a mandatory reporter. You can't give your kid weed. And for me to have changed <laughs> that stance of where I was, 
is pretty significant. So while I was working as a pediatric nurse in 2016, a child became combative for a routine vaccine. Okay, kids don't like shots. We all know that. Nothing new in my day of work. Uh, however, this particular child was 10 years old and about my size, and he was so combative, a nurse called me in to assist and kind of restrain him. And that was something that was not a new thing, right? Well, this particular day, my life changed in a second. Um, the child, I got behind him and did the, like an uh, hold, specific hold, where his arms are in front of his chest and I'm holding his arm so the nurse could administer the vaccine. And he tucked his chin, threw his head back into my head, and I bounced into a wall and then back into his head. It all happened in like literally a second. Oh my goodness. And I never thought anything really of it. You know, <laughs> I was like, Jesus, you know, it was sort of like, I want to kill this kid right now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, I was like, whoa, you guys, so I screamed at him, you cannot do that to adults. That's dangerous. I'll never, that's like, he's pretty lucky I didn't call him any kind of four-letter choice. Yeah. Words. But um, <laughs> I don't know how my brain didn't, uh, you know, process that fast enough. But um, immediately I had symptoms of a brain injury or concussion let's call it a concussion because that's really what a traumatic brain injury is is um a mild tbi they call it um but there was nothing mild about this injury let me assure you of that because i haven't been able to work as a since since as a pediatric nurse um and that was in 2016. so i found the plant totally by accident um i was prescribed being a nurse you know you listen to doctors doctors are the ones who tell you what to do and how to treat your condition. Unfortunately, um, all they did was give me different drugs and different drugs with more horrible side effects and more horrible side effects that literally made me suicidal. I found the plant as medicine uh, on a very cold day in Las Vegas when I was planning on taking my life. Um, my injury happened in October of 2016 and then what happened was my husband said oh Vegas is your place to go for Christmas I bought her a trip to Vegas and I was in no shape to get on a plane you guys I mean when I tell you this injury affected every aspect of my life it affected every single aspect from my cognitive functions I had chronic pain I had a headache that never stopped from mm. that day and it still exists today um, everything went to shit in my life. Um, I couldn't function. My emotional regulation was completely obliviated. And so all these different drugs, they just, they didn't make me a zombie. They just made me, I hate to use the word crazy because, <laughs> but I really kind of was. Yeah. I mean, my brain chemistry was not operating the way it should. And I found that I was a burden to my whole family. I'm like, if this is as good as my life's going to get, I can't be here. Like, I'm in too much pain. I'm in too much discomfort. I'm a burden to my family, to my friends. Nobody wants to talk to me because I just cry all the time. And it was a really, really dark period of my life. And as I was planning on taking my life, fast forward to that January 24th day in Las Vegas in 2017, 
a billboard came driving by on the Las Vegas Strip that normally features the escorts and the gentlemen's clubs and things like that. And I saw it and it said, get your medical marijuana card in Nevada today. Now, ladies, let me just assure you. I was like, oh, great idea. Your brain's already messed up on drugs. There goes that dare statement of Nancy Reagan, your brain on drugs with a frying egg on the and you know and so so that was my immediate reaction oh great idea you can go get stoned on drugs um and jack your brain up more and you know i never viewed it as medicine and when i say if it was quote medical cannabis i believed you needed a prescription and it was going to be this whole process and like then people would know that i'm using it and oh my god because when you were in the casino, you got drug tested cannabis. So when I was working at the casino, not knowing anything about how long cannabis stayed in your system, I mean, let's say the Friday night before I had been at a party and used cannabis, I carried synthetic urine in my bra um, in case I got random drug tested because I couldn't risk losing my license. You know, I didn't want to look like a druggie. You know, but I mean, it was such a big deal, you know, back then. And so seeing this billboard go by and hearing about it being medical, I'm thinking, wow, that would be interesting. And so my husband came outside on the porch and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, look, there it is again. We can go get my medical weed card in Nevada today. And this is like, you guys, I was planning on jumping over that balcony um, at the Cosmopolitan Hotel and to see that billboard go by twice was rather serendipitous, for lack of a better term. And it got me thinking, like, could this possibly help? I mean, I did laugh a lot when I was on cannabis, and all I do now is cry on all these other drugs. Could it possibly help that? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, we ended up going and getting my medical marijuana card in Nevada. Um, And I was like, it was the first time I'd left the hotel room in three days. I... um, couldn't even gamble. I couldn't even think about a slot machine. I mean, the noise, the people, the activity, and this is before COVID and masks or anything like that. I mean, things were a lot different back in 2017. And so I get the card, I go to a dispensary, was so overwhelmed, didn't know what to get. This poor kid behind the counter is like dealing with this 50-year-old, 46-year-old actually, woman um, who has is sobbing and in pain and doesn't know what to do. And he's, he didn't know what to do with me. He literally just gave me a bunch of gummies, a bunch of tinctures, a bunch of uh, lozenges, and he gave me two joints. And so we go back to the hotel. I eat so many of those gummies, you guys. Like, I literally, I don't even remember the milligramage, but it was a lot. <laughs> when I say packages, I mean packages, like six or seven. And I didn't feel any better, but I did fall asleep for the first time in like four months. Oh, wow. So that was kind of a big deal. Yeah, (laughs) Um, huge. I fell asleep to the point where my husband like had to wake me up. And I then felt so hungover uh, that first time. And he's like, we've got to do something. You know, you've ruined our vacation already. Why don't you go smoke one of those joints? And so I did. I went out on the balcony and I smoked one of the joints. And for the first time, ladies, I was able to go for lunch. Go. We went to a restaurant and I actually 
wanted to leave the room and go eat. So after hearing how significant my symptoms were, you can appreciate how I kind of came to the plan. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. Setting up a new company can be difficult and confusing, but establishing a strong foundation with appropriate and necessary documents can help protect you in the long run. Yes, and with being business owners or self-sob, we understand what it's like pretty well, I think. With BIC Legal, they practice in areas like family law, estate planning, business litigation, and review and draft contracts for your company while assisting in licensing applications and so much more. And with the Oklahoma cannabis industry thriving, the rules and regulations related to cannabis are quite strict. Jade Pebworth with BIC Legal, she really enjoys working with companies from the ground up. So if you're looking for good legal help in Oklahoma, she's your girl. Let's get back to today's episode. So with dealing with the type of pain that you're saying you've dealt with, and you said you've like smoked a joint and tried edibles, and what ways do you normally consume cannabis like today? Um, honestly, I've learned a whole lot about consumption because I've tried so many thousands of products. Um, what I consume is now I smoke, but I look for specific terpene profiles yeah. and I journal my experience because it's not about the high THC or CBD or any of that. It's really about the terpenes and the essential oils and the medicinal properties. And I smoke my cannabis because I have a unique digestive system. I lack what's called the cytochrome gene that allows cannabis to metabolize in your liver so eating edibles or anything that has to go through first pass digestion does not work for me and that was a huge eye-opener not everyone can get their medicine by um, eating it or using a tincture and the stigma surrounding smoking is still really there when I came back to New York um, after the Nevada trip I couldn't get a card in New York. I thought it was going to be the same thing. You know, I, I didn't understand the federal stuff. I didn't understand all the limitations on it. Right. And so when I came home and I couldn't access it, I became hopeless and in this horrible place again. So I literally became a medical cannabis refugee in Canada. (laughs) Wow. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that too. Like having to figure out they're in a state that's not legal. Like what Mm -hmm. am I going to do when cannabis is the only thing that works for me? So I have to beat her on the bush somehow. Right. And, And it was crazy. The amount of education and knowledge people in Canada had compared to anywhere like New York was so behind the times the products we had in here in New York they were only tinctures they were only um vape pens and you know I'm not a I wasn't a smoker at all like cigarettes like grossed me out so for me to only find relief through combustion and smoking I don't find vaping flour works as well for me I might get a better terpene experience um at a lower temperature because a lot of terpenes are basically just the essential oils in the plant that, but they're very easily degraded by air, by environment, by combustion. Um, lighting a joint that has limonene in it, you're not going to feel that by the time you start the midway through the joint, right? Because limonene burns at a lower temperature than when we combust, which is at 451 degrees. Limonene degrades, I want to say, at a very low 300 level. So 
it's kind of interesting once you learn the science behind the plant because there's so much to it. Like when I had that eye-opening moment that, oh my God, this really is medicine <laughs> and understanding that. But it took me a good solid year before I even really got it or understood what I was doing. Wow. That's amazing. It's it's cool to hear how much knowledge you have behind cannabis and in your experience, your first from your first run in with it to now, I feel like you you're so well versed and just you're so well educated, which is awesome because you took the time to do that for yourself to really tailor down what you needed for your body and how to like enjoy life again. Quality of life is everything, my yes. friends, and that is what this plant has allowed me to have is a quality of life. When I had none, none, I can honestly tell you guys that I came off of 16 pharmaceuticals because of this plant. That's amazing. I can tell 16. I mean, do I still take an antidepressant? Absolutely. Um, Because I get so sick trying to come off it (laughs) because it's messed with your brain chemistry. But I'm stable. Okay. I have not had any of those suicidal thoughts and those horrible dark days anymore i mean do i still struggle with stuff 100 percent. it's cannabis did not cure me cannabis allowed me to function and process and live in the moment Mm -hmm. compared to all those pharmaceuticals yeah so with that being said what does your daily cannabis routine look like now or just your daily routine when it comes to you know making sure that you're taking care of yourself You know, it's so important. We always forget us is the last thing that we take care of, especially as women, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So my traditional use really is when I wake up, depending on my pain level, I don't smoke like 15 joints a day. I smoke like two or three because I microdose all day. So my day usually starts with, you know, half of a joint and then I'm functioning downstairs. I mean, I don't have a job per se I'm truly a patient advocate I share the word of cannabis and help remove the stigma brands that are looking for someone that's been there done that you know my nursing creds give me credibility from that regard Mm -hmm. but just because you're a nurse doesn't mean you're a patient too right? Right, right so I not only bring that nursing perspective but I bring the patient experience perspective and that's where the disconnect comes so often when brands are launching in the space because they lack that patient voice they lack that understanding of access they lack that perspective of this isn't about a skew and how well it's going to do and how well it's going to sell you need to look at the patient experience Mm -hmm. as your gauge right and so that's what I'm trying to really form my advocacy around is being the accurate voice. Yeah. Like people will attack me all the time, you know, sometimes when I say I smoke my cannabis and I'm like, let's go head to head on that because just because what works for me doesn't work for you or because you feel there's some sort of, you know, it's just in my head. I wish it was just in my head because then, like, I'd save a lot of money every month. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'd have to go to the dispensary. Right. I hear you on that. <laughs> um, so, Nikki, with being an LPN and being, like, previously in nursing school, like, you don't normally learn anything about the endocannabinoid system or cannabis in general. Are there 
And there are many like professionals who are in the medical industry who don't consider cannabis as medicine. But with that being said, how does 100%. once being in the medical field in your like opinion and your view to being an advocate for cannabis, like how does that make you feel? Cause I know they're like ex two extreme differences. They're totally extreme differences. And I was part of that extreme difference, right? Like now I'm 180 degree reversed my position, right? So when I go to a doctor, I don't care where I am. If I'm in an airplane, I don't care if I'm on a phone call, I'm in a grocery store, you know, people say, Oh, well, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a cannabis advocate. And they're like, Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, a lot of times you can get, well, well cannabis, what the hell's cannabis? You know, right. like people still think of the weed stigma and I don't look like someone that's a pothead, right? You don't right. look at Nikki Lolly and say, Oh wow, there's Cheech or there's Chong Kui. Right. You know, you don't think like that. <laughs> yeah. So removing those barriers and helping educate the physicians from a you know, a perspective of not only healthcare and science, but from patient experience. And I keep saying those words because they're so forgotten. You know, and when I was a nurse, I was like super caring, compassionate, and you know, I always worked with doctors that were, you know, like we treated people like people. And what I learned was I was not treated like a person. I was treated like a number, you know, going through a worker's compensation system that's designed to get you back to work as quick as possible. And, you know, I don't have a visible illness. When you have a brain injury, it's invisible. It's right. subjective in their eyes, right? Like mm -hmm. there wasn't a scan that I took that said, oh my God, she's like a grade five brain injury or whatever. You know, it's, there's no rating scale like that. Just because two people have brain injuries, that's the only association you can really associate to them. Yeah. <laughs> if they have two brain injuries, that's the only commonality. So how do we bring this conversation to the forefront where people really can learn to accept that just because the doctor always told you this was bad, it's not. You have to take your own health in your own hands. You have to become your own advocate, whether you're right. a medical professional or not. And that was hard for me because, you know, I obeyed. I, I obeyed the doctors, right? They're right. your bosses. Mm -hmm. And so to go against them and start challenging those that would challenge me. Yeah. I'm like, no, you are wrong. <laughs> this is how it works. And I have changed hearts, minds, lives in every aspect of this medicine, but it's because of my lived and learned experience, not because I'm all that, but because I've actually had to live it. And so I'm not sharing something from book knowledge. I'm sharing something from personal knowledge. Yeah. Well, you're really good at sharing your experience. Yeah, so. you are. So here's a question. You said you were calling from Buffalo, New York, and where not very familiar with New York and what the cannabis laws are like there and what it looks like to go into a dispensary. Can you break that down a little bit for us? Sure. So in New York state, uh, we recently about a year ago legalized adult use. Um, and when that happens, <laughs> nothing has happened <laughs> for the <laughs> most part. Um, we have 10 licensed producers in the state of New York. What that means is they're registered organizations that are vertically integrated to basically handle the process from seed to sale. In other words, from the growing to the mm -hmm. processing to the retail. 
And the products up until recently were not flour-based. Now, as we've come with adult use, we definitely have more flour. We definitely have more choices of our methods of consuming. But in order to access the majority of our dispensaries in New York, because while we are adult use, there's only four stores in the entire state that are adult use, and they're all downstate or New York City or we have one in Binghamton, but there's none where I am in Buffalo. I live on the opposite end of the state. So I cannot legally purchase cannabis as an adult unless I have a medical card in my area. Okay. So that's a big thing that people don't understand. There's a ton of illegal and illicit dispensaries that are selling flour, but they're doing it illegally. Mm -hmm. People don't know what they don't know. So they see right. this, you know, weed leaf on a thing on a storefront and they're going to say, oh, well, let's go get cannabis there. And they don't realize that that's not tested cannabis. That's not, you know, mm-hmm. really a legal dispensary. <laughs> that's just a, a store with a leaf on it and they're getting it from either somebody's moldy basement potentially or from out of state illegally. And again, I'm not, you know, I found the plant in Canada where I began to understand it. So I'm not judging anyone that's right. you know, mm-hmm. buying from an illicit source, mm-hmm. right? But being for an actual medical patient in New York State, you have a choice of 38 dispensaries that are all owned by multi-state operators that, you know, the prices are astronomical. I mean, you're paying $50 for an eighth. That's not really affordable for a lot of people Mm -hmm. um depending on your condition and how you're using it yes and that's that's flour right like there are other options and Mm -hmm. they're actually more expensive like to get tablets or um capsules those are more expensive while they may be more convenient and for people that can metabolize that way that's awesome but they're going to pay a lot more for that flour is actually the most economical way to space out your medicine. Again, I'm not a proponent of smoking. I'm just sharing what works for me. Right. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. It's, it's always nice to hear what it's like in other States and just to see what, you know, patients go through, people go through and just what the process looks like. So thanks for breaking that down for us. Okay. Let's pause for a minute and talk about Oklahoma's grassroots cannabis publication, Herbage Magazine. They are in over 500 dispensaries statewide, providing cannabis education and supporting and highlighting the local communities. For more information, visit herbagemag.com. That's H-E-R-B-A-G-E-M-A-G.com. So, Do you have any people or places that have been encouraging, supportive, and that have guided you along the way, just of your life journey, cannabis journey, all of the above? Oh, my goodness. There's so many. I couldn't even begin to name that off without, like, eliminating too many people. Um, (laughs) But one of the best things I would say is there's a great nonprofit called Americans for Safe Access that really helped me understand the differences between states. Um, what kind of sucks is as a patient, 
my condition doesn't understand the Tennessee state line versus the Florida state line versus New York state line. My condition still is affected no matter where I am. So when you go to a different country or you go to a different state and your pro- your medicine isn't legal, it's a huge problem. So I'm a good advocate for Americans for Safe Access because they try and keep the public up to date and work with legislation to make changes and figure out reciprocity so that when I'm a New York patient, I can go to Florida and buy products in their dispensary. Right Right now as a New York patient, I can't go to Florida and get legal cannabis. You know, I literally have to either bring my medicine from home, which means you're flying with it, which can get you in trouble. I mean, while TSA doesn't focus on cannabis, it's still in your bag. And if you have some jerk... There's a, that could be a potential yeah, problem. Totally. Like, I'm just using my medicine, man. Like mm-hmm. it's no different than Xanax. It's no different than anything else. Right. right? Absolutely. And I shouldn't be penalized for that. Yeah. But I really learned the most about cannabis in Canada. And then when I started going to different events and, you know, I've been a featured speaker at a few and, um, and I'm always on podcasts and things like that. And so people know who I am now. You know, I'm the nurse with the brain injury <laughs> and everybody <laughs> kind of knows, you know, I'm, I've got a signature look with my black and white polka dots with red accents because I say cannabis helps connect my dots. Oh, I and love so, that. <laughs> so that's a big thing, you know, yeah. so people recognize me instantly and yeah. they recognize me as a, a thought leader, you know, I'm really educating the uneducated. I'm helping further eliminate the stigma behind plant medicine yes you are and we are grateful that you are here to do that too Nikki. absolutely um so in your experience nikki what advice would you give to someone going through something similar you know you've got to be your own advocate you've got to do your research find support groups so support groups believe it or not for brain injury there is an abundance of them in on facebook and that's where i kind of started my journey so i realized for the first time i'm not alone like when you have all these messed up symptoms that are invisible like you start to wonder like am i crazy (laughs) Mm -hmm. like is it really in my head like you know that's where that whole vicious cycle starts so you have to find a supportive network and you have to reach out and be willing to expose your vulnerabilities and be willing to, you know, admit you don't have it all figured out. So how can you help me? We can't get through anything in life without help. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Self-empowerment is one thing, but you need to feel and understand other people's experiences. And it's okay if we don't agree on everything, you know, we all have different experiences and lived traumas that, we all have to work through. And so being your own advocate and doing your research and aligning yourself with others who have experienced similar things, I believe is truly fundamental for anyone suffering from any kind of illness. That's great. That's awesome advice. And it's good to just uh, hear that reiterated Mm -hmm. for us, but anyone listening Mm -hmm. for sure. So here's a question. What is one of your favorite things about the cannabis plant that just like lights you up? terpenes i'm turned on by the chirps okay i love to hear it we are too we get it (laughs) i also 
also like weed. I'm sort of like a weed pornaholic. Like when I see beautiful flower pictures with those trichomes just mm-hmm. ripping with beauty. Oh, I know. I mean, that really turns me on. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I've tried to grow it multiple times and I've failed miserably. And I mean, I can legally grow it in New York now as a medical patient, Mm -hmm. but I don't even want to. I mean, like to me, it took the fun out of it. It took the fun and beauty out of the plant because I spent so much time trying to grow it and trying to (laughs) perfect it. One failure after another. Yeah. It's definitely, (laughs) it's definitely a patient plant that you have to really take your time and a lot of knowledge and effort with it's not just yeah that's why oh, I don't I think that's why I haven't tried it yet because I would be so frustrated <laughs> I know everyone says oh it's just a weed just pop in and pop in a seed and no. like water hell no it's not just a weed humans yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I wish it was because then I would never have to go to a dispensary again but right. that is right. not the case uh, that's <laughs> So, Nikki, we like to ask everyone this question, but what is the stigma surrounding the cannabis plant that you would like to see changed? Oh, so many. Um, Just that it's medicine. It really is medicine, and it needs to come off the flippin' Schedule 1. I cannot compare cannabis to heroin. All right? No, man. There's a totally, totally different level and it was all racially and politically motivated and mm-hmm. greed and shit has destroyed the credibility that this plant can be as medicine. Do I want to see cannabis be like available walking into shoppers drug mart? I think that was really cool on Canada's part, you know, that you could do that. But at the same time, it needs to be regulated. We need to know what we're getting. We need to know products and their consistency. Um, the normalizing of the names, man. Okay. I do not as a 53 year old woman want to go walk into a dispensary and say, Hey man, can I have some cheetah piss? I mean, it just sounds <laughs> disgusting. Yeah, I know right? what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, Mary down the street, here, Mary, why don't you go get some titty bubbles? That should help your anxiety. <laughs> I mean, like, really? I know what like, you it's mean. It's so gross. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> You're not wrong on that. And no one has said that. So thanks for making light of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chis. Hey, sis, let's go get some cheetah piss. I mean, it's nasty. It's I know. nasty. I know. You know, like, you. Like, wine doesn't have weird names like that. Why do we got to have weird names for cannabis? I know. know, Because what made somebody name it that? Like, what were they thinking? This tastes like cheetah piss. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, when when did you taste cheetah piss last time? I mean, and the names, like, the legacy names and the genetics where these plants came from are really minuscule pieces of data now because there's been so much hybridization and cross-pollination of things that it's really hard to get really clean genetics. Right. A company such as, um, there's one that comes to mind really well, and that's Tycoon Alam. Tycoon Alam is, um, they're a multi-state producer, but they're really focused on the medical aspect, the genetics, the testing, and consistent results. Tycoon Alam's products originated in Israel, and they're amazing, right? I actually have a call with them on Tuesday. I'm kind of excited about Mm -hmm. it. But um, 
their products really are awesome, right? But there's so many that aren't. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I know what you mean. Knowing what manufacturers are good is so important. I know you're right. We always like to tell people in our home state to know your grower because we do have the opportunity yes. to know our growers, and so. You know, you can get consistency and quality and find someone you trust by being able to know who is farming your medicine. And certificates of analysis are so important, you know, getting tested. Mm -hmm. Just because Leafly says this has so much of this and so much of that and it should be good for your anxiety and your depression. And honest to God, guys, Indica Sativa it really means very little. Yes, I know we <laughs> um, understand like, that. <laughs> it's yeah. So many people don't though, you know. Absolutely. And so, you know, educating the consumer that look at the test report, look at what's in that plant, look know your terpenes so that you can have an understanding of what symptoms you're trying to alleviate. Right. And look at those minor cannabinoids. Yeah. You know, there's so much more to the plant than just there is. Yes. We always encourage people to dive deeper and research. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, Nikki, I think this wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and everyone listening. You've been so awesome. Thank you. If you guys want to reach me, feel free to follow Nikki and the plant. Yeah. KKI and the plant. I'm on all social platforms as well as uh, YouTube and LinkedIn. And I also have a link tree. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Nikki. We really appreciate you. You guys stay tuned for next week's episode. And as always, Brand, stay medicated. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.